0: It's time for Sports Wrap on 760 WJR.
1: All right, this is the wrap on 760 WJR.
0: To a car phone we go. Dave, thanks for hanging on. You're on 760. Gentlemen, and Steve and Dan, you got the chemistry. It's cooking. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win.
1: Are you calling us from your office? I'm doing Sports Center tonight. With, Are you uh, really? Dan Patrick. Yes. Well, I'm very impressed. By the
0: way, give Dan our best. He's a good man. And, I will. Uh,
2: hey, hey, Dan. Chuck Spursky says hi. This is the best sports rap has ever been, in my opinion.
0: Now, here's your host,
2: Chris Renwick. Well, happy Saturday to you. Welcome into Sports Rap. We got a lot to cover uh, tonight. Um, We are going to talk about Tiger Woods because what he's doing down in Augusta, Georgia is remarkable. I don't know. The fact that he's in the position he is, is something else. We'll talk about it. I also want to talk a little bit about Cade Cunningham because I think what he's done in Detroit is a a little bit being overshadowed uh, by some other guys in the league, especially rookies that are up for rookie of the year. And that's nothing against Cade. Um, I I think he is a very viable rookie of the year candidate, but whether he not, whether or not he wins it is yet to be seen. So we'll talk about Cade as well and and where he kind of sits in the pecking order in terms of rookie of the year. And then we got to do a little NFL talk. And and there was a big trade in the NFL uh, between the New Orleans Saints and the Philadelphia Eagles. How does that potentially impact the Lions? We'll get to it. But yesterday was a wonderful day. And and opening day in any form or fashion is welcomed here in, in the city of Detroit. This is a religion. This is a holiday. And it's a, it's a very unique Detroit thing that we do very well here. And, and Jason, after a couple of years that were spent on the sidelines because of COVID-19 downtown was popping. And it was a, it was a, it was a lot of fun to be down there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was like opening day of old, which feels like so long ago. So it was very welcoming.
2: Felt like a long time ago and it felt really normal, which was awesome. Yes. Um, and, and I, I, this team, I think, is going to be one to watch, and and look, make no mistake about it. I think the White Sox are the cream of the crop in this division. I think they're probably the favorites in the American League. Like that team is a good team, and so I I look at this particular Tigers roster, and I gotta give I gotta give some credit to Al Avila, uh certainly AJ Hinch. And, and really some of the players, because I think that they've done some things that have been at least transformative in the sense that this team is a different team now than they were last year. And the, the players shoulder some of that. Um, I, I think the 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 weak point of this team is going to be the bullpen. And whether or not they can find a footing going forward. Because look, here, here's, the, here's the reality. Guys like Casey Mize are expected to have a nice year. Guys like Terek Skubel expected to have a nice year. Eduardo Rodriguez, the new Tiger from Boston, is just an innings eater. But don't forget how important the bullpen actually is. You can't expect your starters to go seven, eight innings day in every five days. It just, it just doesn't happen. That's not how Major League Baseball is structured anymore. So I think the importance of the bullpen and whether or not they can find a groove, whether they, or not they can, they can find a, a, a a soft spot in this team that they can live in and thrive in. And, and Jace, I I, look, I think your top three starters in the rotation. I like, Um, you know, Matt Manning, I've got questions, but from a, from a, from a a starting fives perspective, I I don't mind them from a bullpen perspective. I'm a little worried.
1: Oh, yeah. It's a tradition in Detroit to be worried about the bullpen, I think. We've always had a shaky bullpen, shaky closers. Uh, the addition of Chafin is a, is a really, it's a nice sign. He's a lefty, good numbers, yep. you know. Um, but that that closing position, the close, the closer job is going to kind of rotate. A.J. Hinch proved last year that he's going to kind of ride the hot hand, whether it be mm-hmm. Fulmer, Cisnero, or why am I uh, forgetting the last guy? Who am I forgetting?
2: You're thinking of Tarek Skubel?
1: No, no, in the bullpen.
2: Oh, in the bullpen. Well, Giovanni, oh,
1: Giovanni Soto. So those Soto, three, yes. yeah, the they're gonna lineup. they're gonna rotate.
2: Look, and and here's the other part in all of this is is as as much as there maybe are question marks surrounding the bullpen, I, I, I actually feel pretty good about this lineup one through nine. Like, you know, the, I, I, we talked to Dan Dickerson this week, and, and and Dan told me, look, guys like Javier Baez are leaders on this team now. They are. And and even Miguel Cabrera told uh, uh, Dan that they are going to lean on Javier Baez as a leader. They're going to lean on him to be kind of that motivational leader on this team. Gold Gold caliber or Gold Glove caliber shortstop. Um, and 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 I think that that's probably a, a good person to lean on. Somebody who's had some success. And when you're dealing with young guys like Riley Green, who's fractured his foot, he's going to be out for for a few weeks. Um, but, but somebody like Spencer Torkelson, who's obviously ready to be in the bigs, um, and, and Miguel Cabrera just kind of passing that torch to him saying, look, I'm okay. Being a DH now we need you at first. It's important and and I'm okay with it. That's huge. It's really big. And, and the fact that Miguel Cabrera is, is willing and accepting to do it, it's big. And I think that's going to go really far on this team in in a team that's built with some young guys and and certainly even guys like Akil Badu. Somebody who was a fan favorite last year, came out of the gate extremely hot, was really kind of the lower rung ladder of, of Major League Baseball players. Um, and, and, and those types of performances, I think, were, were attributed, at least in my mind, to A.J. Hinch and the way that he's managed this clubhouse and the way that he's managed personalities and the mindset that he's brought in. It's, look, you want to play with us? Great. You're with us. If you don't, then forget you. Like we're moving on and, and, and we're going to, we're going to have guys in this clubhouse that can play. Doesn't matter if you're a 10 year event. Doesn't matter if you've been here for 15 minutes, if you can play, you're going to play for us. And that's a really strong message from, in my mind, one of the top three managers of major league baseball. I think it's very, very important. And then, and mind you for as much flack as maybe Chris Illich took, uh, for, for that vote during the lockout, um, I think it's pretty important to recognize his now obvious efforts with Riley Green going out and look. The, the, Isaac Paredes is is a is a prospect this team liked, but at the same time, bringing in somebody like Austin Meadows, former All Star outfielder, um, you, you lose Paredes, you lose a draft pick. But that tells me this team is serious that tells me this team is is willing to win games they're done sitting on the sideline they're done uh, with with the tanking process if you will they're, they're done cutting payroll and look and, and what I think is marvelous about this deal is former all-Star or all-star outfielder but he's got a he's got a, a price tag of about four million bucks a year and that is something I find really appealing on a young guy who's just 27 years old um, that's going to be able to, uh, I don't know, I, I think that that's a nice kind of stop gap until you're ready to see Riley Green come back. Those are things that I like to see now. Those are things that would not have happened two years ago. Those are things that probably wouldn't have even happened last year. So for me, the messages I'm getting from this organization are – Look, we want to win games. We want to be competitive and we are going to be competitive. And and I understand the whole Carlos Correa thing. People wanted to see Correa here instead of Javier Baez. But let me tell you something. It, Javier Baez is is no slouch. He can play baseball. So, I mean, to to, to say this guy is is just, you know, going to come in and, and and loaf around, I just don't I don't buy it. He can he does strike out more than I'd like, but he hits for power. Uh, he's got speed and he can play defense. So that's really all I need. And you're not paying as much as you were with Carlos Correa. So while the, the, the Correa deal, I think is the more preferred route that fans wanted. It's fine. I'm okay with this because it gives you a little more flexibility. Now, at the same time, you, you, you do still have questions with Robbie Grossman on the one side, you've got a Kiel Victor Reyes, some sort of combination playing in the outfield as well. Look, I think this team is going to be competitive. I think they're going to be fun. Jace, if there's one, one player that you're looking at in particular that, that you want to maybe see a little something out of this year, who would that be?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked me that because I was going to ask you, too. The, the player I'm most excited about is Tarek Skubal. And what he showed, I know it's a, it's a, it's a final tune-up for spring, which usually teams put out their, their opening day lineup. He struck out eight in five innings. He looks yeah. like he's going to be uh, very exciting. Uh, big things from him this year are, are expected.
2: I think that's a good one for me. I I, look, I'm going to go with the predictable bull one and I'm going to say Spencer Torkelson. And, and really for one main reason, Spencer Torkelson was the number one draft prospect in, in baseball. He was somebody who has a ton of flexibility in the field. He's got a ton of power. He's got a great eye. He's got a cannon for an arm, like all of these things, make up kind of the, the, the lore now with Spencer Torkelson and, and, and Riley green kind of the same way. But with all of that being said, with all of that expectation, put at your feet. Now it's time to perform. Now it's time to go out there and get it done because you, you you know, how many times have we seen in, in major league baseball or in sports in general, a highly sought after draft pick bust out. Right, we've seen it time and time again. Hello, Charles Rogers. Uh, but r- remember, hello Ryan Leaf. Hello Ryan Leaf. All I'm saying is, is I think how he, how what's between his ears, I think is going to be just as important as as the output on the field because it's, it can be very easy to fold up when things don't go your way or when you hit a slump. And and how Spencer Torquilson handles those moments, I think, is going to be really key for this organization going forward and, and into the future. So that's my guy. And, and look, Rodley Green's in the same position. Like it's one A and one B for me. And, and how those guys handle themselves is going to be incredibly important. All right. Uh, we got to take a quick break coming up on the other side. I want to talk about Tiger. He's doing in Augusta incredible. We'll talk about that next as sports rap continues right here on WJR.
0: Now back to more sports rap presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win.
2: Here's Chris Renwick. All right, welcome back to Sports Route. Um, There are a few athletes in history, and, I, and I, I think in in all of sports, I mean a few, a handful of athletes that have this thing. And 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 I'll be honest, it's probably in humans, in business, in everything. There's this extra. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a – there's just this extra thing in their brain that no matter the cost, no matter the sacrifice, no matter what you got to go through, you're going to come back. And if there is something that we love more than a comeback story, I don't know what it is. And I think that what we saw on Thursday and the way that Tiger Woods – came back the way that Tiger Woods returned to pro golf down at Augusta at the masters and this, I don't know this, this, this uh, overcoming this incredible obstacle. Remember it was just a little over a year ago. Tiger Woods was in a, in a, in a terrible car accident, almost had his leg amputated. That was seriously on the table. Could have lost his life very easily. um, and, and just a little over a year later, he's back playing professional golf at the Masters. Like, Thursday was such a crazy day. Like, understand. Thursday at the Masters, Tiger Woods on a good day is going to draw all the attention. Thursday at the Masters, Tiger Woods coming back from a catastrophic injury almost a year before. Is a whole other level of attention. And first of all, if there's anybody that can handle that attention, it's Tiger Woods. But the fact that he was even one under, the fact that that he was even competitive, I think is incredible. And you, you heard a little bit of a different Tiger Woods in his pre, in his post-round press conference. Right? Like he was like, look, I'm happy to be out there. I'm happy um, to be to be back to a certain extent. I'm happy to be able to, to play. And that is not the, the the type of rhetoric we've heard from tiger woods in the past if tiger woods was one under on a thursday at the masters it wouldn't be a great press conference i don't think so i think there is a, a lot more perspective now for tiger going through what he went through going through i mean really the the possibility of losing a limb um all of those things really kind of compounded and, and he was he was really like I don't want to say grateful, but, but there was a certain sense of gratitude to be out there. Um, he t- talked about the, 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 the worry that he had about walking around, having a hard time pushing off that right foot. And and when you're, when you're working with hands and core um, and you're not getting that push off that back foot, um, that can be a really tough go for even pros. Um, and so the way that he handled it, I thought was amazing. And, and again, you're dealing in a, in a, Small, selective group—guys like Michael Jordan in the in the flu game, or or Muhammad Ali. Um, these are just a few athletes that that have that other gear, that have that next level thing. And Tiger Woods has it; he's got it. And and for as for for as I don't know if it was a miracle or or crazy or unexpected that when he won the Masters a couple of years ago. I almost think this is as, as equally as just mind boggling, just crazy, crazy. The fact that this guy's able to do what he's doing. I just think it's remarkable. I think it's, I think it is on a whole other level. I don't think that we've ever seen anything like this. And remind you, this is a guy that's been through multiple back surgeries. This is a guy that finished around with basically a broken leg. This is a guy that has played through and won tournaments while hurt. Um, so I, I, I just think that what this guy has done is is really remarkable. And the fact that he's even at Augusta is, is crazy. And here's the other thing. Um, you saw vintage Tiger early in the week. Like, like that Thursday round, you saw vintage Tiger. Hitting that putt on, what was it, 13? Just huge. Huge. Um, that, that shot that he had, I believe it was on 16 in the pine straw, pulled his driver left and, and he had to, he had to almost draw it in. He was, he, he was, he was kind of pointing more towards the right side of the green, hit the ball, drew it in and it landed. I don't remember what it was 15 feet away from the the pin. But my goodness, when you see Tiger Woods, Hit a ball, start walking, and twirl the club. You're like, oh, he likes that. That is vintage tiger, vintage tiger. And to see what he's done is, it, it really is. I, I, I would, I mean, look, there, there are a lot of great moments in sports, but what this guy is doing to me has to be one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen. I've ever seen. And, and yes, there are guys that are playing really well, Cameron Smith. Is playing the best golf of his career. Um, DJ playing some really good golf. Rory finding his 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 groove in this tournament. Somebody who I thought had a real shot at winning this thing. Um, and then you've got guys like Bryson Shambo, who on Thursday was what three or four back. I mean, three or four back, n- not three or four back of the lead. I'm talking plus three or four. And and for for. For all the hoopla that has been made about Bryson DeChambeau and hitting the ball a mile and and what that does to the game and these courses and the equipment and the whole thing, boy, it doesn't really help him at Augusta. It hasn't been hasn't been real successful with with that part of his game. So I don't I don't know, Jason. Do you have any thoughts on Tiger Woods? I I, I just think I just think what he's doing is unbelievable.
1: Yeah, to come back from from all he's been through. Um... 2019 winning the masters was, uh, unbelievable. Uh, it, you know, um, four, he's, he is only 46 years old. Um, and, and you keep seeing these things that say, he's just not ready to play like an old man. And, um, you know, I, I, you, you root for a guy like this. You really do. And, uh, it's, it's, it's been fun to watch.
2: Well, remember you can be 50 years old. You can be on the PGA champions tour. So that's right. that's the, that's the, the, the older tour. Um, and we've seen, we've seen, uh, you know, Phil Nicholson play there. I just don't see Tiger Woods playing there at, at least yeah. anytime soon. Right. Um, because look, if, if he's going to play one or two tournaments a year or he, whatever he said, three or four tournaments a year, um, I don't know why he would then play on the champions tour. If he's going to be able to save that up and, and, and play just a handful of times a year, I, I don't know why he would play there. I, I think that he's going to be able to play at this level for, for a number of years, still to come. Um, and, and, you know, here's the other thing of all of this, is this whole story about, about Tiger Woods and the accident and coming back. It, isn't it very fitting that it's at, 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 at uh, Augusta National? I mean, the, the fact that it's in this tournament, the fact is that this is the one, 25 years before he, uh, or after he won his first tournament at, at, at Augusta. Like the fact that now this is the place where this is happening is, this is the storybook stuff. This is the stuff that you'll that you you'll read in history and go, what? what? No way, no way. Um, it's just unbelievable. The, the whole storyline is unbelievable. And, and to go from being in a hospital bed, potentially losing your leg, to, to 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 actually competing at augusta is incredible. and and look, there is nobody better on earth that knows that course better than tiger woods. but the fact that it's happening is still pretty cool. um and you're right, it's a guy that you can root for. it's it's a story that you can root for. um and and it's been it's been a lot of fun to watch. in the meantime, i somebody asked me the other day or told me the other day that golf was going through a bit of a identity crisis. Um, going through an identity crisis because of some of the players that are actually winning on tournament now or, 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 or on tour now. Um, and I just disagree with that. Um, and, and here's why um, I believe, first of all, golf is cyclical. Like there are um, like, you no know, Jordan Spieth isn't going to win every week. DJ isn't going to win every week. Rory isn't going to win every week. Um but there are guys that are that are that are doing well on tour and they're kind of unknowns. Um you know a, a good one here who's having a, a pretty nice tournament, Danny Willett's one of those guys. Kind of an unknown, not an uh, not an unknown name. Danny Willett's not an unknown name, but but among the big stars, Danny Willett's there. Um how about Scotty Scheffler? Just won a couple of weeks ago. Um, playing really good golf, world number one. It's not DJ, it's not Rory, it's not Spieth. it's not Morikawa. I, I I just think that the fact that other guys are stepping up, um it it really should only bolster the game. And and these are other guys you can cheer for. Cam Smith is a guy you can absolutely cheer for. All that flow going on, he's got he's the Aussie. I mean, that's great. And and I I just refuse to believe that golf is going through an identity crisis. We love the stars. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. Um, and those guys aren't going anywhere. Dustin Johnson's still going to win tournaments. Rory's still going to win tournaments. Uh, Jordan, if he can make a putt from three feet out, is going to win some <laughs> win some tournaments. Um. But at the same time, I think some of these younger guys coming in, when you mix it in with, with some of the older guys that win, I think it's huge. I think it's important for the game that we have that. Um, and that's kind of what we're seeing now. All right, uh, to the break. We'll uh, we'll be back after this. I, I want to do some NBA stuff here and Cade Cunningham and where he lies on the pecking order for rookie of the year. We'll do that next as Sports Trap continues this evening on WJM.
0: more sports rap presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick.
2: All right, welcome back into sports rap. I, I don't know how much attention you've been paying to the Pistons. Um, And and and, and look, I, I get it. I get it. Like, they haven't been very good in the last couple of years. They've been really pretty bad. Um, But if you haven't been paying attention to the Pistons, it's time to start paying attention to the Pistons. And I really mean it. Um, and if anything, you gotta check out Kid Cunningham. You just have to. the 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 kid, this guy, he's got it. He's got it. He's got it. And and you look at at where he. The, the real contributions that he makes to this team, seventeen and a half a game, five and a half assists a game, forty one percent from the floor, uh, thirty one percent free throw shooter. Uh, or excuse me, from the three point line. 84% free throw shooter. This guy is about as efficient as they come. And and the scary thing is, if your other NBA players around the league, they got to play against this guy, is he's a rookie. He's a rookie. And, and, and his game is only going to continue to improve. It's going to evolve. And it's going to get better. This guy is legit. And this is why I've been telling you going back to the draft, going back to the lottery and the importance of the Pistons winning that lottery was to land somebody like Cade Cunningham. With all of that being said, I don't believe that Cade's going to win Rookie of the Year. And here's why. I think that the numbers that you see compared to LaMelo Ball last year who won Rookie of the Year are very similar. Um, but I just don't know that you can, that you can discredit Evan Mobley and, and the type of production that he's had. I mean, uh, to me, I think this is the guy that wins it. On a team that isn't very good, um, I I think he's I think he's it. Leads all rookies in rebounds and blocks, fifth in points at, at just under 15 per game, and is the only one of the top 10 rookie scorers with a 50 plus field goal percentage. That's I think that really is the number that's going to push him over. Um, And this was a a piece from a Bleacher Report story I saw. To highlight Mobley's impact, he paces the 11 rookies who've logged at least 1,500 minutes in plus-minus. Despite contesting the league's fourth-most shots, he has only been whistled for two fouls per game. So not only is he, is he playing at a high level and scoring points and blocking shots and pulling in rebounds, but he does it in a way that is so clean. He does it in a way that is, it's really textbook. It's a textbook. Um, and so for me, I think, I think Mobley's the guy. And I'll tell you who finishes also in, in that voting, probably ahead of Cade Cunningham, is Scotty Barnes uh, of Toronto, former uh, Florida State guard. Um I to me I think that's that's another guy that has made a huge impact on his team. Um and then from a metric standpoint, it it's very obvious that Scotty Barnes is probably the most efficient rookie of of this class. Um he's got high value in plus minus minutes. Um plays a ton of minutes. Um, and is the only rookie to average 15.7 rebounds and three assists and one steal a game. Like that is so impactful. It's so impactful. And so for the year that Cade has had, albeit a shortened one because of the injury early on to start the year, um, I think it's, I think it's a great story. I still, I still personally believe that Cade is going to be the best player from this draft. Um, but I just I, I I don't know that he's got the enough of the juice to win this thing. Jason, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Well, yeah, and and I got an article from Sports Illustrated up here where Scotty Barnes eighteen points, eight rebounds in his last twenty games. The Raptors forty seven and thirty three. They're fifth in the East, right? Which um, Cleveland is seventh. So if they factor that in, um, Scotty Barnes w- would get the rub there. But um, two playoff teams compared to Cade. The Pistons, I believe, have 23 wins, and he he did. Uh, he he he's been exciting to watch. He had a very slow start. Um, I think you're right. I think he's going to be the better player of the three uh, down the road. But um, I mean, just he's been so fun to watch, and it's it it does give it gives you hope for the future for the Pistons for sure.
2: Now, here's what I'll tell you about the the Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley thing. I think you take Evan Mobley off Cleveland, and they're a dumpster fire. I think they stink if you take Scotty Barnes off Toronto, they're, they're okay. Like they're not good. They wouldn't be in the fifth spot, but, but they they would be serviceable. Um, and, and, and you can make the same argument for Cade. Um, but, but I think those two teams are in a different position um, from a, from a team perspective than, than where the Pistons are at. Um, and by the way, another guy that, that I think is up for grabs here. I don't think he'll win it, but uh, Franz Wagner also, who plays for the, 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 um, the magic is another guy that has had look i gotta be honest i when Franz decided to leave michigan i was i was i questioned that not from a business standpoint because I think from a business standpoint he needed to go, but from a a really a realistic n b a viewpoint I wasn't sure that he was quite quite ready um but man he he has been really nice in isolation really good on off ball, off screen shots. Um, I, 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 I have a lot of fun watching Franz and actually Mo, his brother also played for Michigan also play, uh, for Orlando, but, but Franz has really stepped up his game. And I don't know if it's the system. I don't know. Maybe he likes playing with his brother. I don't know what it is, but Franz has really stepped up his game. Um, to a point I didn't, I didn't expect there. I, at least I didn't expect, um, in his rookie year, but he's incredibly efficient. Um, and and his and his analytics read a lot like like the other guys um and and so i think he's also in that mix as well um but i i think he rounds out the the, the class so i for me i i just i don't know that cade's the guy this year and so what that means for him i uh, to me he's a guy that i i kind of feel like he will use this to a certain extent, and and try to push him to get better, um, but but for me, I I truly believe that this was the right call in drafting Cade. I was calling for it all year, and I'm really happy they did. I, I I do. I mean, Jason, I believe he's going to be the best player in this class.
1: I do too. Yeah, and and just it's it's all about building a team around him. And um, I mean, obviously, they've got a long way to go. Twenty three and fifty seven this year. So yeah. But you know you you see you see with him, you you can tell he's going to be a consistent piece going forward
2: and that's what you want to see. He's going to be a consistent piece going forward and you can kind of you you kind of know what you can expect, expect from him. Like yep, he's going to have nights that are that are crazy and he's going to go off the rails. But you know he's going to score roughly 20 points a game. You know he's going to get you a couple steals, you know he's going to dish the rock. Like those are really important important pieces for a young guy that is coming into a team trying to bring this thing back. Um, and 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 remember all the talk about Jalen Green and, and whether or not the Pistons yeah. should take him. And um, I, look, I to me, I think they made the right call. I really do. And and I'm excited for the future of this team. Now, while I think I got the Cave stuff right, I'm not sure that I got the whole Piston stuff right because I I thought. When you add in Cade to the pieces that they had last year and the, and the the momentum that they kind of built last year, I thought you'd throw Cade in there and, and they could be an eight seed. Um, things just didn't pan out this year. They just didn't. They didn't pan out for for a couple of reasons. One, Cade was hurt off the get, which is a tough place to be, especially as a rookie, especially when you're trying to build chemistry. Um, and then COVID, uh, COVID protocols, guys were out. Uh, issues with other injuries and stuff, and, and they just never were able to 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 get off the ground the way that they wanted. Heck, it wasn't even really till, what, midway through the season that they even had all five starters on the floor at the same time. I mean, that's crazy. So I, I, I'm very interested to see where this thing goes next year, how they're going to approach it um, from an organizational perspective. But at the same time, I think Cade's going to be the guy. I mean, he is the cornerstone now for this team going forward. Um, and you got some nice pieces around them, but I think you're gonna need to add a little more. You're gonna really need to hit next on this draft, um, and then hopefully bring in some free agents that that are gonna be uh, kind of game changers here, kind of like the Rashid Wallace put that 0-4 team over the top, and and that's what I think this team is gonna need. So it'll be really interesting to see. I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very excited about Kay. If if you haven't tuned in, if you haven't gone to see a game, you have to. The kid's a baller, um, and he's he's young he's going to be in, on this team for a very long time. Uh, so get used to seeing Cade uh, Cunningham uh, scoring a lot of points for this team going forward. All right, we'll take a quick break. Bring in some NFL stuff here next because big trade in the NFL, and there is a real-world possibility that it impacts the line. Do that next as Sports draft continues.
0: a more sports rap presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick.
2: Well, just because it is April doesn't mean the NFL is not on our minds. It is a year-long business. And and look, I think we always look to see how the Lions are going to be impacted, even by moves made by other teams around the league. There's a big, a, a big trade with a couple of teams, one being the New Orleans Saints and the second being the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, here's how this thing shook out. According to the terms of the deal, the Eagles are sending picks 16, 19, and 194 in this uh in the sixth round of this year to the Saints in exchange for an 18, 101 in the third round, 237 in the seventh round, a 2023 first round pick, and a 2024 second round pick. Here's uh, boiled down. The Saints now have three picks inside the top 50. They've got 16, 19, and 49. And with Drew Brees retiring, went to the booth last year, or or from an analyst's perspective, um, I think it's fair to say that the Saints need a quarterback, right? I don't think Taysom Hill is going to be the quarterback of the future (laughs) for that team. What
1: what about Jameis Winston?
2: What about, oh, Eaton W's. Let's do this thing. (laughs) Um, So now... I, I think there are some serious questions that we can ask. Number one, let let's let's get this out of the way. Jason, what is your preferred move for the Lions at, at two? Because look, I I look, I want you to take off your cowboy sunglasses, take off the hat, <laughs> and, and I want you to answer honestly. Do you think it's in their best interest to take somebody like Kayvon Thibodeau or or Aiden Hutchinson? Um, h- how do you view them at number two?
1: Yeah, I think that that would be the you, you there's talk about quarterback but they're not going to take a quarterback this year. So it seems so the defensive end would be the the smarter choice whoever's on the board. Now, that kind of raises the question do you trade with the Saints? The Saints possibly move up and then you get more draft picks down the line. Um that's that would be depending on what the Saints would offer, but at two if they stick at two you got to go you got to go with the defensive end here.
2: All right, so you think you think it's in the best interest of this team to take a D end, or do you yes. think it's in the best interest to try to trade down?
1: It's you know it's tough because to get extra draft picks, that's what they need. So oh god. Well then, let,
2: let me let me see if I can sell you on this, okay? Because for me, I think it's in the best interest of this team to trade down. Now, I believe based on this past draft class, I think Brad Holmes knows what he's doing. I think it's somebody that he can identify talent. And, and look, did he hit on everybody? No, but there's still time. And I think that the majority of that class turned out pretty good. Hello, I'm in Ross St. Brown. Um, but, but let me throw this out. For me, I value the draft picks a lot. And I don't think that they're in a position to contend yet. And I don't think that they're in a position to spend a lot of big money on free agents and try to get better that way. So what's left to get better? It's player uh, identification, and then it's the draft. And so, for me, I think that draft capital is so much more appealing than somebody like Aiden Hutchinson, who God knows I love Aiden Hutchinson, or somebody like Kayvon Thibodeau. Like, for me, I want to trade down. I want to trade down. And if the if the Saints are really in the the market, for, well, they, they are in the market for a quarterback, but if they really want to take that next step and trade up, now, according to Ian Rappaport, They could. Um, Ian Rappaport says, thanks to this trade, if the Saints wanted to come up and take a quarterback, they are now in a position to do so. Dave Burkett, our friend from the Detroit Free Press, said according to the NFL trade value chart, that's almost enough for the Saints to move up to number two, should they want a quarterback. And look, I I think it's really interesting. Albert Breer had this to say from the Saints perspective, New Orleans now has three picks inside the top 50, which should set them up to take care of their cap issues in the next couple of years by getting younger, cheaper talent on the roster. Those three picks are in a good spot given the class makeup. But if they look at somebody might like Malik Willis, or they look at somebody like Kenny Pickett and, and they've identified those guys as perhaps the future of this organization, maybe they trade up and heaven forbid I would love to take 1649 uh, and 19 from you. So very real possibility. Not saying it's going to happen, but a very real possibility. And remember, you've got Houston at number three. So maybe the Saints don't trade all the capital, but they get up to number three in an effort because they don't think that Detroit's going to take a quarterback. But if they play it that way, it's really possible this trade could get done. Uh, Really interesting stuff we'll keep an eye on for you. That's going to do it for us tonight. We'll catch you back here tomorrow, 6 to 7, right here on WJR. Have yourself a wonderful night.